Matthew 1, 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and, gave, and he gave him the name Jesus. The gospel account that we just heard, Matthew claims that all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us, is one of the central claims of Christianity. I don't think there's a record of people actually calling him Emmanuel, but this title captures so well his identity. Not just a little baby born to two poor parents in an out-of-the-way town. But the God of the universe. The one who created galaxies and stars, who filled up the seas and lifted up the mountains. That God came in the form of a little baby. C.S. Lewis calls this the grand miracle. Dorothy Sayers says, from the beginning of time until now, it is the only thing that ha which has ever really happened. We may call this doctrine exhilarating, or we may call it devastating. We may call it revelation, or we may call it rubbish. But if we call it dull, then what in heaven's name is worthy to be called exciting? Jesus as Emmanuel is the main claim of the Gospel of Matthew. It really bookends this gospel here in chapter 2. Jesus is announced as Emmanuel. And then the last promise, the closing promise in Matthew 28 is a promise of Emmanuel. Jesus says, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. This promise of God's presence with his people really bookends the whole Bible. Genesis 2, God is present with his people in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And then you turn to the end of the Bible, Revelation 21, God is present again with his people in the New Jerusalem. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them. It's a reminder of what Christianity is all about. It's about God's presence with his people, despite the fact that we are fallen and sinful and rebellious. Christianity isn't just about the forgiveness of sins and a ticket to heaven. Christianity is not like a doctor with a poor bedside manner. You get healing, but you get no relationship. Christianity is about healing and about a relationship with the great physician. Christianity is about how the God of the universe comes to be with us. 
to be in intimate, direct, personal relationship with us. C.S. Lewis, in this well-known quote I remind us of, says, God made us, invented us as a man invents an engine. A car is made to run on petrol, and it would not run properly on anything else. Now God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is a fuel our spirits were designed to burn, or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it is no good just asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. Friends, we are made for a relationship with God. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Of course, we can choose to ignore God. And if we do, I suggest that we don't become irreligious. We become religious about a lot of other things. In the absence of God, capital G, we make other things into God's little g. Recently came across an article written by two pastors observing what they see has gripped so many people's hearts around them. Two maps of meaning that give meaning to people's lives by which they're seeking meaning. And those two maps of meaning that identify as comfort culture and hustle ideology. By comfort culture, they mean Netflix binging, online gaming, hours of Candy Crush, scrolling Instagram feeds, fantasy sports, self-indulgent Amazon sprees, foodie culture addiction. All, they say, are comfy couch consolations to fill the meaning gap. Comfort culture idolizes rest to, find, uh, to the point of finding meaning and slothfulness, consumption to ameliorate and eye. It's the mindset of working merely to make play possible. They call that comfort culture. By hustle ideology, they mean this, working hard, Challenging yourself, never giving up, grinding until you win. They say by hustle and grind ideology, we don't simply mean hardworking lifestyles. Rather, it's the ideology of pursuing a future version of the self. Tougher, harder, more successful, more complete through relentless self-improvement. They suggest that this sort of attitude is expressed, for example, in the proliferation of productivity books and perhaps most viscerally in the fitness world's ubiquity of jujitsu studios and CrossFit boxes. Comfort culture idolizes rest. Hustle ideology idolizes work. And of course, there's nothing wrong with, uh, with comfort. There's nothing wrong with hustle. There's nothing wrong with rest or work. There's nothing wrong with gaming or working out. But if you make these things into gods, they will leave you empty and weary. I think there's no two words better that better capture the spirit of our culture right now, emptiness and weariness. The Gospel of Matthew says there's something better than comfort culture or hustle ideology. Christianity offers us the power and presence of God himself in the person of Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, the God of the universe draws near. I think sometimes we miss the wonder of that. I think we treat it casually. And maybe to recapture the wonder of it, this illustration might help from Philip Yancey. He says at one point in his life, he kept a saltwater aquarium, which was no easy task. He had to carefully monitor the balance of chemicals in the water and the temperature of the water. 
make sure it was a perfect environment for the fish to thrive. He said, for all this effort, you would think the fish would be grateful. But every time his shadow loomed over the tank, the fish would swim for cover under the nearest shell. They showed only one emotion, fear. Says three times a day, he opened the cover to drop food in on a regular schedule, but each time they responded only in fear. Philip Yancey said that the problem was that he was deity to the fish. He was too large and too incomprehensible for them. The only way he would be able to change their perceptions was a sort of incarnation. He would have to become a fish and speak to them in a language that they could understand. Think about that. Would anyone here in this room, knowing the life that we have as humans, give up this life to become a fish in a tank? I don't think I'd have any takers. I don't think anyone would volunteer for that. But that pales in comparison to what God does when he leaves heaven and enters this world and becomes a little baby. But Matthew's claim is just this, that the eternal, infinite God became a finite human. That the eternal, ineffable God became human in the form of Jesus Christ, who is Emmanuel. It's a reminder that Christianity is not just a moral program. Christianity is not just a list of religious rules by which we save ourselves. Christianity is not just a self-improvement program. Christianity is not just a ticket to heaven. It's not just a religion of judgmentalism, hate, and bigotry, as so many people would say today. Christianity is a supernatural relationship with the God of the universe. The presence of God in your life in a real, tangible way. The Apostle Paul, on trial at the end of his life, in a moment of great crisis, was deserted by all his friends. He was utterly alone. And yet he wasn't alone. He said, the Lord Jesus stood by me and strengthened me. My friends, if you know Emmanuel, you may feel alone. But you're never alone. Jesus Christ is with you. How do you get a supernatural relationship with God? Jesus, as Emmanuel. Jesus brings us into a relationship with God. He came into this world to reveal God and to redeem us from our sin. There's a reason why the gospel is focused not on the birth of Christ, but on his death and resurrection. Because through his death and resurrection, we have forgiveness of sin and a relationship with a supernatural God. When we come to Christ by faith, when we believe who he is, Emmanuel, the Son of God, come in the flesh. When we believe what he's done for us, dying on the cross for our sins, we can be forgiven of our sins and come into a personal relationship with the God of the universe. What difference does this make? When we experience Emmanuel, God with us, I think we can have contentment. Hebrews 13.5 says that we can be content with what we have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. When we experience Emmanuel, God with us, we can have hope. Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In a comfort culture that leaves us empty, we can experience true rest and true contentment. In a hustle culture that leaves us weary, we can experience true confidence and hope. I invite you this evening to come to Jesus, Emmanuel, for the first time or for the hundredth time, and discover true rest 
and true contentment and hope. Experience a supernatural relationship with God, the God of the universe, and you'll never be alone again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus into this world as Emmanuel. Your very presence with us. We pray that we might experience that presence tonight and for the days to come. We pray that we might experience rest and contentment because you will never leave us or forsake us. We pray that we might experience confidence and hope and your supernatural presence by our side for the days to come. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.